Today on Hey Sis, Eat This Sister's Dish, hot off a great interview with Ben and Rachel Lee Cook, we compare notes on Mama Joanne's lentil soup recipe that we both made over the weekend. According to Mama Ashley, we are long overdue for colonoscopies and has been on our case to book appointments. Then we interview the incredible Alana Horwich, chef and cookbook author extraordinaire who tells the tale of her very colorful cooking journey. Stay tuned for lots of laughs, cooking tips, and like always, new recipes. Grab your fork and grab your knife. Morning, afternoon, and night. Mama's recipe and mine. We're about to have a good time. Hey, sis, eat this. Hey, sis, eat this. Woohoo! Hey, sis. Hey, sis. How is this week going so far? So far, so good. I'm feeling better, which is a good thing. I might not sound better, but I'm feeling better. So finally, yeah, I know. Took a while. I was getting worried because, you know, you're coming to town for my birthday party. That's why I'm I'm on on lots of vitamins and getting getting prepped for uh, the week ahead. We got a lot of work ahead of us. We do. We've got a big week. We're going to have some great interviews, but then we're also going to like rip it up, you know? Yeah. For your birthday. We're going to party it up. I always have a major birthday party. Well, Mm -hmm. since my 40th, when Lance threw four days of 40. Yeah. And it's, it kind of set the precedence. There's usually costumes involved, which is always fun. I can't wait. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to talk about it till after the party, my costume. This year we have our local dive bar King's X that we love Mm -hmm. and we're doing it there. And because it's at the King's X. It is come as a king, queen, prince, or princess. Any iteration of royal. Yeah, and any derivative. Love it. Yeah. Burger King or Elvis. Keep an eye out for a package being delivered to your house this week. That's my costume. I know. I'm very excited about that. I was just talking to mom about her costume. She was FaceTiming me to show me her uh, Queen Elizabeth costume that she's putting together. And it's hysterical. And I told her that, do you have a wig? I don't know. I think Whitney's working yeah. on that for me. And I said, do you have a crown? Said, I'm not going to wear a crown. I'm going to wear a hat. And I said, no, you got to wear a crown. Like it might not resonate that you're the queen if you're right. not wearing a crown. So I said, do you have old lady shoes? Well, I have something that'll work. And I said, well, you got to go to the Goodwill and get like a handbag and the whole spiel, the whole shebang. Yeah. I'm talking to her yesterday. And I'm like, well, what, what's your costume going to be? She's like, I'm just going to wear a tiara. I'm going to go back there in the kid's closet and see if there's a, oh, yeah. a tiara in there. I'm like, mom, you can't do that. Like, it's my birthday party. You have to wear a costume. Yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to show up. And I'm like, why don't you be Queen Elizabeth? She's like, oh, well, I do have that pink or orange suit back there. That could I know, work. an orange suit. It's pretty outrage. It's like, I mean, this was Carlisle. It was expensive back in the day. I'm like, well, it's... Uh, 30 years ago, it was, Mom. Yeah, it's like, could should go in the Goodwill pile at this point. And even then, I'm not sure who would, who would want it. <laughs> well, we'll see if it really turns her into Queen Elizabeth. I got to work on that wig. Yeah. Well, we got to talk about um, our episode last week with Rachel Lee Cook and her brother that went so well and the recipe that we posted on this, on our site that her mom's famous lentil soup recipe. Yes. Because we both made it and we did, we didn't have a photo of it. So I thought Friday night, I'm going to make it 
And Mm -hmm. I ended up having to call Aaron and Ben Mm -hmm. because I was like, there is like maybe a half inch of water in here with these lentils. How is this going to make a soup? Mm -hmm. How's it going to boil the pasta? Ben's like, no, mom's soup's very thick, thick, thick stew. And I'm like, okay. I taste it up by adding some Parmesan rinds. Mm-hmm. I did that too. Well, I took awesome. your cue and yeah. I made it last night. Well, we also substituted chicken broth for water because we're salt fiends. So yeah. the recipe says to boil it for an hour. 20 minutes in, I hear the lentils like cracking. I think my stove <laughs> was just so hot. And I I looked in there and there was not even a half an inch. I mean, it was the lentils were done and it was yeah. um, there was no water left. So I added another box of chicken broth. But We've been emailing with Rachel's mom, who said that you can make it as thick or thin as you want. And um, I did add more and I used, uh, you used regular baby pasta, right? Yeah, I used a didalini. And I used chickpea lentil pasta, so it was gluten-free. And I will say it just worked out beautifully and it's so delicious and definitely... Uh, add the Parmesan rinds just gives it this richness that's so I I, this is my new thing now your your new thing too now like I ever since we made those white beans we gotta like put Parmesan rinds in any kind of legumes bean yes soups (laughs) so good get you a parmy rind and it add it to whatever you want yes don't ever throw that away yeah don't ever throw out a Parmesan rind that's cheesy gold gold cheese yeah like you said we've been emailing with Mama Joanne, Rachel and Ben's mom. I think this is what we want to hear from every mom that even though we're kind of dishing on them and telling funny stories, it is truly the celebration of the mamas. Yeah. I'm going to read just a little bit of a clip from her. Yeah. And this email, it's really the intention that Whit and I have behind doing this podcast, not only to honor mothers, but to bring siblings together to reminisce on funny stories and really just kind of bringing family together. And that's our mission. So I thought that the fact that this resonated with their mother was just so heartwarming to us. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Read a little clip of it. Okay. So she says, I'm writing to thank you for the thrill of hearing your Hey Sis Eat This podcast about the Cook family. It was an experience like no other and one I never expected in my lifetime. With your guidance, humor, and obvious friendship, it was fun hearing Rachel and Ben's take on their growing up days. Your interviewing skills go to the heart of sibling love and a universal treasure. Makes me want to cry. Oh, I cried. Fully cried. Fully cried. She goes on to say some other other things, but I think the real clincher of this email is that she goes, now I have to Google the worm and see what I need to learn next. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Joanne, just don't, don't do it. Take it from me. Unless you want to end up with a cervical spinal injury, I just would stay away from the worm. (laughs) Oh, Joanne, thank you so much. We're so glad you liked it. And you are really an extraordinary mama. What's up with mom? Mom. Okay. Let me think. Has she been bothering you about getting a colonoscopy, by the way? Oh my God. Yeah. She called me last week. And she's like, well, I went to my doctor. Everything's fine. But I tell him I have two daughters. He did say that y'all have to go immediately and go get some colonoscopies. <laughs> immediately. Yeah, same. And I'm like, okay, I know. I actually had called the doctor earlier in the week to try and make an appointment. And she's like, but I'm telling you, that prep is brutal. It is. It, you're going to be crying. Your buttholes, you're going to be crying. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Well, I'm going to use some aquifer. I don't know. <gasps> oh, my um, God. Well, she also told me that <laughs> she said that she went in there and she's like, well, and he had to stick his fingers up my butt. Yeah. And that was horrible. 
I mean, yeah. I don't understand why anybody would want that. I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I go, well, you know, it's probably not the ideal situation when you're at the doctor's office. And she's like, there is no situation where that is ideal. <laughs> I agree with her, by the way. And I, she's going to be upset for us talking about this. So I'll quickly change the subject. But speaking of sticking fingers up orifices where um, oh boy. it's not pleasant is, you know, I, I I'm just going to, th- I want to just share this with other women because we just need to stick together. But I'm having some, I've been having some very bad cramps related to my monthly. Me too. And, um, yeah. And so I'd found this, you know, weed is legal in California, marijuana, cannabis. I went into a dispensary because I'd heard about these suppositories that you can put <laughs> up your vagine when mm-hmm. you have cramps and it's supposed to elevate your mood and also uh, relieve cramps. So I did it. Did you hear from someone that it works? I think I'd read about it and I I don't know. I forget how I heard about it. Somebody told me about it and there is a uh, dispensary near my child's dance studio. That's actually so brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So I went in there and they have a bunch of like medicinal stuff. So I said, I have cramps. And she's like, oh, honey, let me, you know, here, let me show you this stuff. So I'm like, really? I have never used any kind of enema, suppository, anything like that. Right. Like I've never physically stuck anything in either orifice. orifice. <laughs> so um, I bought them and I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. So I brought them home. The first time I used them, it was like, whoa, like very slippery. She did say to me, the woman that leaned in was like, uh, you might want to use a tampon with that as well because it, they, they're they a little slippery and, and I don't know I, I've had a couple kids so it, and I was like oh for sure I'm gonna need something to st- some stoppage up there I'm gonna need a cork <laughs> honey did you open that bottle of champagne last night <laughs> exactly the first time it worked, um, they, they, they did feel good. It elevated my mood. I And then I tried to use one last night. Also, it was a very slippery little sucker. It, would, it took a minute to get it up there and to stay. I <laughs> nearly had to do a handstand to get it to stay. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I went downstairs. I think I was talking to you on the phone and got off the phone. Jason, I was making dinner. I'm like, well, I just took some weed up my yu-yu and he's like what and i and i was like yeah i'm trying these uh weed suppositories he's like where on earth did you learn about that i said i don't even remember i think a friend told me about it or something and he's like good god okay woman you know you're lunatic and then later on i walk upstairs i'm like where's the goddamn advil this shit's not working i was like this i was like f this medicinal stuff it's i'm like i need the real drugs so anyway unfortunately my second attempt was not maybe it slipped out and i didn't see it I don't know, but <laughs> I have to go check the bathroom floor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, bring me some. I will. If anybody is trying to go the more homeopathic route, then uh, you can try it. I want to try I would it. suggest being a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, since I don't have any kids, we'll see what happens. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Well, enough about orifices let's let's, (laughs) unless it's an orifice on our face that we shove with food yeah uh let's keep it on brand here and introduce our amazing interview this week uh we have a really cool woman alana horowitz she's a chef she's a cookbook author the founder of cooking school meal and spiel and i think you're gonna love it she's hysterical she's really a badass 
Just like her cookbook. Yeah, this was a really fun interview. And I think people are going to learn a lot. All right, let's do it. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. I am very excited to introduce this guest today because we have been wanting her on since we came up with the idea to have this podcast. She is an author, a cookbook author, the best name ever of a cookbook called A Meal in a Spiel, How to Be a Badass in the Kitchen. She's a chef and she's also the founder of her cooking school called Meal in a Spiel. I'd like to welcome Alana Horwich. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. And Alana also happened to, you know, she's like a family friend, sort of. I've never met her before, but she actually went to preschool with my husband, which is so such a small world. That's so funny. This is true. And this is true. And at three years old, I was not just friends with Jason. I was in love <laughs> with Jason. I mean, in love. Everybody knew. His mom, Andy knows, mom knows, knew, of course, his father, my grandparents. Your grandparents. Oh my God. I was like, I'm going to marry Jason Harrow when I'm four. Because three, I'm too young now. But when I'm four, I'm going to marry him right. at four. So... Adorable. Yeah. That yeah. is too funny. So when you heard he got engaged to Courtney, were you like, that bitch? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've probably seen Jason like maybe three times since nursery school. So I didn't even know. But when Courtney reached out, I was like, oh, it's the other woman. Yeah. I told yeah. her. I was like, you're the other woman. <laughs> but, you know, I think, but you told me a story about your grandmother giving you some good advice. And I want to tell you she was right. Kind of, you know, Yeah, my grandmother. So my mom's no, sorry, my dad's mom uh, who lived in Chicago was out visiting and said to me she was more traditional. She says, you know, well, if you get married, you're going to need to cook for your husband and clean for your husband and you're going to have to do his laundry and you're going to have to vacuum <laughs> and iron his clothes. It's true. And I, at three, three and a half years old, looked up at her and said, I said I was going to be his wife, not his mother. <laughs> Is that amazing? Yes. Well, he's still a cutie pie and we're just very excited to hear about, you know, what it was like, you know, in, in your life growing up and how and sort of your journey getting into food and cooking. And I just have to say, um, I want to read this funny quote from your cookbook that says, Alana Horowitz began cooking as a young child because the kitchen was the only place in the house her mother couldn't find her. You have to elaborate on that. My mom was a Berkeley educated feminist, had mm -hmm. children in the 70s. And yeah. for her, cooking was just not part of like her feminist ideals. Mm -hmm. She had three daughters. And for her, she wanted her daughters to be career women, mm -hmm. to not be housewives. She yeah. wanted to set an example. And also really, I think what it comes down to for her is that she never found an enjoyment in cooking. Mm -hmm. For her, cooking mm -hmm. was a chore. The kitchen was just not a place where my mother was. My mom also was like uh, a bit of an ass kicker as a mom. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was, it was a space in the house where I could be creative and play mm -hmm. and really just be just left alone. Left, so you enjoyed you know, it at a young age? At a very young age, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was super simple. Like I would take a tortilla and put like a 
uh, like this, you know, some type of tomato sauce that I would never today buy and like a piece of Munster cheese and put it in a toaster <laughs> oven and watch it bubble. Right. It's like you a know? science experiment. Yeah. But you're like watching it bubble. You get to eat it. So, you know, just little things like that, but I enjoyed it. And then mm-hmm. when I was 13, we hired a housekeeper named Angie, one of her chicken recipes, Angie's chicken is oh, in yeah. my book. Yes. Super popular. But you know, Angie was a fabulous cook. She was from the Caribbean. She was used to cooking, you know, for like huge parties of a hundred people for her like Caribbean parties. Mm-hmm. And she cooked for us. My grandmother taught her Jewish oh. recipes and she let me stay in the kitchen with oh, her. That's so awesome. I learned, I just, you know, I remember the first time Angie made fried chicken. I, I didn't know you can make fried chicken. Oh. I thought you just had to buy fried chicken at a fried uh. chicken store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. <laughs> I was so dissociated. We uh-huh. were extremely dissociated from food, from natural food. Like sure. we also, I, I, we had an avocado tree. Like we never ate the avocados. We had a, oh, what a shame. What a shame. We had a fig tree. My Guatemala, our Guatemalan housekeeper taught me how to eat the figs from yeah. the tree. But this is like required people coming in from yeah. other countries <laughs> yeah. to like have a basic, yeah. you know, relationship with something that's so primal. What a, bl- what a blessing though, because you know, I, I didn't have a, anybody from other countries teaching us how to cook. Mm-mm. I mean, my mom cooked a variety of things, which was fun, but I, I would say it wasn't as probably awe-inspiring or as much of an awakening for us to to see those kind of things. So it's a cool experience. Like you said, a primal sort of thing. Cooking is primal. Yeah. The connection to food is primal. We love making fried chicken. In fact, we did it recently, but uh, do you do the double batter when you make your fried oh, chicken? I, I never make fried oh. chicken. <laughs> It's such a pain in the ass. I don't deep fry. Well, we're from the South, you know? Yeah, yeah. you guys are Texan. Like, yeah. I don't deep fry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you got out of the house, you cooked when you were younger, and I also know that you studied in Florence, which I did too. Hmm. And what were you over there studying? Well, before I ever made it to Florence, I, I lived in Rome for several years. So I actually took time off of college and went to Rome to not study. Mm. Um, <laughs> and the story of how I got to Rome is in is in the book, and it's uh, it starts with a man. The, no, it's not a man. It was a mushroom journey in college <laughs> that I had an epiphany that told me I needed to go off into the world. And I was that truffle hunting mushrooms or a <laughs> or a cow shit. Yeah, yeah, psychedelic. Psychedelic. Yeah, love that. Yeah, this and so ahead of your time. You know, I mean, in the nineties people were yeah. taking mushrooms. Now it's like I didn't so do it. Yeah, trendy. now it's very trendy. I had no idea anything about it. I was just told yeah. that the if you do it one time, you won't have a bad trip. And so I did it, and I had this <laughs> epiphany, and the, that epiphany brought me over to Rome. So I actually ended up in Rome, not studying. I was working in bars, and mm. um, and then I did a year at the University of Rome, and then years, a few years later, I went back and did a master's degree in Florence, and so. Um, did you ask me what I was studying? I just, I guess that was a long answer to say, I didn't really go directly to Florence to study. Like Mm -hmm. I was already in my late twenties by the time I made it to Florence. Mm -hmm. So I studied, I became an Italian studies major so that I could continue Mm -hmm. to stay in Italy. Yeah. I've read in your book that you learned to cook from this quote, Italian mama. And we're all about mamas on this podcast. So who was this woman? How did you meet her? And what was, what was that whole experience like? 
Well, I had just really incredible, let's just call it luck. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was supposed to go to Italy. Like I was not Mm -hmm. planning to go to Italy. Like Mm -hmm. the universe, call it spirit, call what you want, drop me in Italy. Mm -hmm. And shortly after I got there, I ended up in a Tuscan farmhouse um, outside of Siena that mm. a friend mm. of mine's parents owned and they just opened it up for me. So there was these caretakers there and it was this couple Maria and Roberto and Maria was just this like extraordinary cook. She didn't even know how good of a cook she was. Like she right. wasn't hired to be a cook. She was hired to like take care of the property, clean some, but she was just had this touch, you know, extra- Mama Maria. Yeah, yeah, an extraordinary touch. So, you know, I stayed there on and off, you know, for years, I still go back and visit. Maria's now retired. And I do, I say I learned from Maria, but that's it. It's not the way you think. It's not like Maria invited me into the kitchen. It was Mm -hmm. like, Ilana, let me teach you how to cook. Not at all. The woman would like (laughs) be in the kitchen cooking. You never saw her and she would like exit and then the food would be done, but you would eat. So like just eating Maria's food Mm -hmm. taught me so much. Mm -hmm. Like I had an understanding of like, okay, there's very little in this tomato sauce, but it is delicious. Right. Mm -hmm. The simplicity. And like then finding my way to be able to like watch her a little bit and like Mm -hmm. Maria, like how did you make this? Mm -hmm. And like her answers. And I I write about it because it's hilarious. I'd be like, I had this when I was like in my twenties at some point, I had this idea that I wanted to write a cookbook, uh-huh. never knowing that I would start a cooking school one day, but collecting recipes from Italian mamas. Oh, wow. So mm. I was like, Maria's going to be my first mama. Your muse. Yeah. yeah. The muse, right? The muse, the muse. I mean, she's a lot of people's muses. She's kind of famous in certain, in the meal and the spiel circles. She is famous. Yeah. Like everyone knows Maria's that. chicken, Maria's Christini. Right. I mean, so- no, I said to her, Maria, can can you teach me your meat sauce recipe? She says, sure. I thought she was going to pull out a piece of paper. And <laughs> there was no piece of paper. And she says, okay, well, you know, you put in onion and, you know, do you chop the onion? Of course you chop it. <laughs> so, f- finally? Yeah. Of course. Like, yeah. what kind of idiot doesn't know that you chop, chop an, onion an onion finally, finally. finally when it goes into a sauce? Then you put in a ca- carrots. How, how many carrots? How many carrots? One or two? Which one? One or two? Right. One or two? Yeah. But, but Maria, I need to understand. Is it one or two carrots? Because if I'm going to be telling Americans how to make your meat sauce, they need to know. One or two? I mean, the concept <laughs> of me trying to understand. And like what I learned from this, which I never got that recipe written down perfectly, but um, what I understood is what sh- is there is an intuition mm-hmm. that is happening mm-hmm. in the Italian kitchen mm-hmm. that we're for the most part uh, distanced from in the United States. We're follower recipe mm-hmm. followers mm-hmm. as opposed to really paying attention, attention to let the food speak to you. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that Maria taught me. And then just eating her food and then over the years, like slowly being able to get recipes from her, knowing what I like, knowing how things should taste. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. important. That's so important. I think that for me, as I've evolved as a cook and homegrown cook, um, the more 
intuitive I've become with myself. I still continue to try and do a lot of work on being present and intuitive with myself through meditation and such. But I think it has made me so much of a better cook because I'm more present when I'm cooking. I That intuition is coming to me. There's just, it's more like this sixth sense of what's going on. And I, I rarely use recipes anymore. I mean, I do have some that I, you know, when we try new things, we always use right. a recipe. Yeah. And my mom has always said, cause she's very intuitive as well with her cooking. It's just, you know, we always, she always says just, what does she say, Whitney? She's like, you got to follow the recipe the, the first time. And then you can, you know, make your choices. But I find that, you know, I have my certain things that I love to make and I'm getting better and better at it by being present and intuitive with it. So there's so much of that in being a good cook. You're an example. So I would, you know, say, I would say everybody listen to Courtney. That's just as an amazing <laughs> thing. Like cooking is a meditation mm -hmm. and it, it gives us an opportunity to be present. And mm -hmm. I, people, you know, they're telling me, I mean, they're like cooking and watching TV at the same time. I don't know time. how you do it. You, you, you don't, it doesn't come out well. Mm -mm, mm -mm. There's no way right. because the number one ingredient needs to be love. I mean, that's another thing yeah. I learned from Maria. It's yeah. got to be love. And if you're watching TV and chopping and that it's, it's not, you're not really present with the food and then the food can't speak to you. It's right. like, you need a little bit more. You're, mm -hmm. you know, you're not really in communication with the food. So that's amazing that your meditation yeah. practice it's, has helped you with your it cooking. Really, it really has. And, and Whitney too meditates. And I think, you know, when we cook together, it's, it's such, we always say, you know, food is our love language and it's such a beautiful thing when we cook together and we're able to, you know, oh, what do you think of it? And we taste it and mm -hmm. we, oh, how about a little more of that? And Whitney, usually like, no, Courtney, don't do that. You know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, uh, bossing me around, but we have the best time and it, it really is, um, uh, comes from love and, and, and having to be intuitive with the food. One of the recipes that I, we did tonight, um, Alana came over before and we, we did some appetizers from her cookbook and they're amazing, but we did a little simple bruschetta with uh, burrata and roasted tomatoes on top. And I was looking through the recipe before she came over and reading the, the, the verbiage. And she says, lick your hands and see if you taste that salt. You want it to be salty. And I said, I love that. Lick your hands. It is. It's primal. It's so good. You're just having that real and physical energy interaction with the food. And that's what makes it fun too. Yeah. I, well, I'm glad that you found it fun that yeah. I agree. Cooking should definitely be fun and licking your fingers is definitely major cooking tip. Like number one. Yeah. Yeah. It Just don't let good. anybody see your guests see you. <laughs> I want to get back to your cooking school and learn and hear a little bit about your experience with that. And also, you know, you say that you started the cooking school in your parents' kitchen. And I thought that was funny since your mother wasn't a cook and you would have your classes there. Did that drive her crazy? Um, it must have been chaos. What did she think about that? No, it was actually perfect. I mean, my parents... Um, they moved out of the house that I was raised in mm -hmm. into a new house. Very upset that they sold our childhood house uh -huh. and they moved into a house that, uh, actually just had this kitchen that was like just made for teaching cooking classes. There was a big Island and, um, the burners were right in the center of the Island. Oh, that's right. nice. So it was kind of perfect. And my mom was, is extremely generous with her home. Hmm. She absolutely allowed me to do it. And not only, it was actually very healing for our relationship. Oh. I would say my mom's probably, you know, was the most challenging relationship I've had uh -huh. in my life. And this was something that was just really 
incredibly healing for us. So oh, it was that's beautiful. Yeah. Did she take your class? She came to a couple classes, like on one of them. She just, you know, spent most of the time like taking out all of her fun little plates and her perfect napkins sure. and she just wanted things to be extra pretty you yeah, know and that was really that. fun super fun and like everyone was really happy to have my mom in class and then we did this one uh class for it was during the time of Sukkot for mm-hmm. those who don't know yeah. it's like the Jewish mm-hmm. harvest holiday in the fall where you build a sukkah in the backyard yeah. it's this little like structure house hut. hut in the backyard mm-hmm. yeah S- Sukkot's really cool and and we used to actually do I used to do Sukkot cooking classes for oh, non-Jews cool. oh, you know like yeah. Jews and non-Jews to come and have this experience of eating in this backyard hut in the oh, fall that's cool very cool was it called Sukkot for Shiksas and Goyim it was called Sukkot <laughs> for Goyim <laughs> Love it. <laughs> this particular Sukkot for this wasn't for Goyim. This okay. was a Sukkot for uh, people that were involved in a in an arts charity that my mom and I were involved with. So it's like my mom's there and like people she knows that people, of course, that she wants to make a good impression on. Mm-hmm. And so in that one, we made these Persian lamb and pistachio meatballs that Ooh. are mm. extraordinary. Uh, they have like a pomegranate date glaze on them. Oh, and we made this. That sounds divine. Yeah, it's divine. But anyway, like I've got, let's say 15 people in the kitchen. I mean, the kitchen's big, but it's like, it's tight with 15 people. It's a chaos. Right. Which is how I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I want everyone to just be in, in it, it. You know, dirty. they're in yeah. it, yeah. making it. And my mom, Lena, leans over to me at a certain point and she's like, just tell me the truth. Are we ever going to eat dinner? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're 20 minutes away. The yeah, meatball's yeah. about to go in. They're going to be done in 15 minutes. Yeah. And then we're going to eat. She's like, whoa. Like, yeah. couldn't believe it because all it she was saw was mayhem. a mess. Yeah. Mayhem. And I was actually, it was all coming together. Yes. So there was a um, method to your madness and she just didn't get it because she's not a cook. She Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We love to take on a little bit of a comedic approach to our cooking and obviously this podcast. Tell her about the Ashley sister, cooking with the Ashley sisters. Oh, okay. Well, when we were uh, first living together in our 20s, when I had moved out to LA and we'd be cooking and we would Drinking. like totally fuck something up. Like <laughs> we'd be drinking and it'd be like, um, did you put that spice in there? No, I don't know. Well, how much did you put? I don't, I don't know. I wasn't counting. Well, okay, whatever. Cooking with the Ashley sisters. We thought we're going to have, we're going to have a cooking show one day because, you know, we, it was all based on how many things we'd mess up during our, you know, cooking together, but it was the best times of the best of times. Yeah. And if we did mess it up, could we fix it? Save it. Or just throw it out. Yeah. Sounds very fun. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it helped you release a lot of fear around cooking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. 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 But I think cooking together allowed us to do that too. You learn to improvise. Oh, totally. But I went down the rabbit hole of some of your videos on your website and I was like peeing my pants about <laughs> like the broiler and what the broiler is and that it's easier to find than your G spot. I mean, I was dying. Your video is called What the Fuck is Your Broiler? Yeah, WTF it is, is my broiler. Hysterical. <laughs> oh my God. How did you even come up with that? Those are so, they're great. So, you know, if you're listening and you're like, 
an amazing cook. You're yeah. like, what is she even talking about? Yeah. I really tried to reach people that had a lot of fear in the kitchen and like don't even know what to do in the kitchen mm-hmm. at all. So we had to go over in like almost every cooking class. Like, do you know what your broiler is? And like, there's <laughs> always someone at least or more people. Yes. They don't know what their broiler is. Yeah. I was scared of the broiler for a long time. Yeah. Do yeah. we need to say what the broiler is right now? Yeah, or do you think ahead, everyone knows? Them. The broiler yeah. is if, if you have an oven that's like, you know, later than the 1950s or 60s, it's on the top of your <laughs> oven and you hit the broil and it comes out like a torch from the top of the oven, mm-hmm. real high heat from the top. If you stick a whole chicken in there, yeah. it's going to burn the skin, but be raw on the inside. Right. But if you stick cherry tomatoes like we did tonight mm-hmm. with olive oil, they blister uh, asparagus. It's going to blister and cook perfectly. Or like, if you mm-hmm. need to just melt some cheese on the top of a chicken parm or something, and you just want to stick it in there for two minutes. But there you, you got to go. be careful because yeah. I, I mean, mine's really hot. Like be like stoned and like, no. you right. have to no. be aware of I mean, you can be, but you're going to burn your toast. If you're stoned, you have to set a timer. (laughs) You have to set a timer. Alexa. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now you know what your broiler is. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't know. At some point, it was just like a joke. Like, what? Yeah. Where? What's my broiler? It's like easier to find in your G spot. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> it's a lot easier to find in your G spot. Yeah, shit. I could teach yeah. anybody to find yeah. a broiler <laughs> and get great results. Orgasmic food. Orgasmic <laughs> results with your broiler. There you go. In the video, I I just like put on a robe and like got in the bed and, and like put on red lipstick and was like, so funny. Do you know what what your broiler is? Yeah. It's easier to find than your G spot. Yeah. Like, let me take you into the kitchen, and then but yeah. <laughs> no one will ever forget what a broiler is when they watch that video. They you will know, not they forget. Will learn. They yeah. will learn. But did you do stand up comedy too? I did. Oh my gosh, I did. I did do stand up comedy. That's for that's yeah, brave. It's so brave. Oh my, it's God. maybe the bravest thing I yeah, ever have done for sure. Yeah, I didn't have professional aspirations. It was one of those things that it was like I ha- I'm a bucket list person. I had that on my bucket list that I would do stand up one time before I died. Okay. And then when I was a high school history teacher, I saw at school that there was a, a like, there's going to be a stand up show from all the kids that had t- taken stand up class. I didn't even know there was a stand up class. And there was a list of the kids, and a few of them were in my class. And so I went. Every single kid had at least a moment of being genuinely funny. Wow. And Aww. really ballsy, like really courageous. And because I'm a teacher, I understood that this teacher was amazing. Sure. So I went to the office at school. I said, could you put me in touch with this teacher? And then I reached out to him. I said, do you ever teach adults? And he says, yeah, guess what? I actually have a class starting in like three weeks. So I went and I did the class. I was like, this is my bucket list. And there's going to be a performance at the end of the class. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I went and like, what was kind of took me by surprise is what it turns out that people found funny about me, which I think is maybe about anybody is really my like angst, mm-hmm. you know, like the stuff mm-hmm. that like really drives me crazy in my own head. How would I want anyone to know this like even me I don't want to know this about myself that's what's funny yeah but right. maybe it's because it's relatable and more people are thinking of you know are thinking that way than you even could imagine it, it is relatable yeah. in fact it was so healing for yeah. me because mm-hmm. when people laughed right. I was like okay maybe I'm not that 
fuck yeah. up. Right. So actually bringing it back to Meal and to Spiel, my mm-hmm. book. Yeah. And, and to the stories that I was writing as I was teaching cooking. I mean, I was writing as I was teaching. I didn't give a fuck that what anyone thought of me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I mm-hmm. am going to be honest yeah. and I'm going to be raw. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I even have like for my brisket recipe, which I call the best brisket ever. I talk about like being in a real funk of a deep depression and going to the market and making brisket Mm -hmm. and like how nothing had really worked for me. Like, and I include all the things that I had tried, including Zoloft and whatever Mm -hmm. else it was, but like brisket worked. And I, but would have had too much shame to even say that I was depressed or that I had tried Mm -hmm. Zoloft when it's like, no, this is humanity for sure. This is humanity. Oh yeah. I take Zoloft. In fact, if you I was like, raise your hand if you're on Zoloft. (laughs) Everybody here. (laughs) I am not on Zoloft. I got off my Zoloft. I have to say that. I don't think that's a possibility for me ever. But I but I so appreciate that. I think part of this podcast has been liberating because we want to be truthful and say the truth. And, Mm -hmm. you know, our mom, when we first launched and she she's on it from time to time, but she calls us up and she goes, I don't like that y'all say the F word all the time. And and so we were like, oh, maybe we should turn it down. She's, My friends aren't going to listen. Then we've had other consultations with some of our other best friends. Like, you know what, guys, if you're not your authentic self, it's not going to resonate right. with people. You can't censor yourself. Yeah. You've got to mm-hmm. live your truth. And when when we do that, that's when the golden moments come totally. out. Totally. I, there's fuck seven times. Uh, in yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yeah. And let me tell yeah. you, 70 year old Jewish women are my number one fans. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> They love it. They're like, she even says the F word. You know, they love it. They want to say it. Yeah. You're kind of inspiring me, Alana, because I went through a three-year IVF journey. At the end, we didn't end up getting pregnant and, you know, we're going to live our lives and actually we're loving our life kidless right now. During all this time, I had like just hilarious shit happen. And I said, I'm going to write a one-woman show called IVF is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I started to write down all of these stories and they're good. Then the podcast came along, but I'm like, I need to go back and revisit some of that. Well, you'll just get a bigger audience for your one woman show yeah. when you have more podcast listeners. So it's coming. You're just going to manifest that. I should put that out there. I know there were several situations where it was just insane really you're going through that journey and it's just so fucking hard and Mm. you just have to find the comedic moments in order Mm. to get through it. Mm. So you're inspiring me to, to go back to that G doc. I started that G spot. Oh, I mean G doc. Oh yeah. I'm all for you uh, sharing your story and I'm sure so many women would relate for sure. Well, that's the thing. I even have a little group of girls. There are three of us and we call ourselves the United sisters of uterus Mm. and one of them is pregnant. One of them just had her baby. And then I'm the one that, that didn't, but we still text every week. We support each other. Mm. We're there for each other. It's such a community of people who have gone through it, done it. And it, it is a unique thing to go through. Yeah. And I think you're right. There's a lot of relatability to that. But that you found the comedy in it is so beautiful. So Alana, do you care if we do some rapid fire questions with you? Let's do it. All right. What's your favorite kitchen gadget? The microplane. Yeah. 
Ooh, mine too. Yeah, I love the microplane. It's great for zesting, grating. I have a question about that. The microplane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How often do you replace your microplanes? I, I, I haven't. I just like literally have, I probably own two microplanes, but I haven't had to replace my microplane, but it's $15. If you need a new one, get a new one, get the long skinny one. Yeah. I feel yeah. like mine might be getting a little dull too. Mine is. I keep two as well because I use them so frequently that one's like either dirty, dirty in there yeah. and yeah. So what is your favorite thing to cook, Alana? Everybody asks that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't so hard. Okay. Um, you know, I love to cook linguine allo scolio. Like I make a, mm. like a pasta with mussels and clams. Oh, so not kosher, yum. but it's so easy and so good. Just with like white wine and garlic and yeah, a little white wine, a little garlic, a little bit of tomato. The recipe's in meal and spiel. Okay. Do you get to lick your hands while you're cooking it? Like that, that one, maybe not so much, <laughs> but I just love making that pasta. So what's your best cooking tip? Oh, you need more olive oil and more salt. Yes. Kosher salt. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or, or sea salt. I mean, we just made salt. these tuna crostinis. It's called the Jewish tuna toast. Is that what Jewish you Italian tuna toasts. In a Cuisinart, we mixed Italian tuna with the olive oil and some butter. And you put capers and olives on top and mm. parsley. I mean, in lemon zest, the recipe's in her book, but Alana takes my olive oil and just starts drenching the whole thing in olive oil. She's like, you need more olive oil. You need more olive oil. And I mean, I wasn't offended. And what that olive oil did, that little extra bit of olive oil, mm-hmm. it was like just melted in your mouth. It was, mm. so, I mean- Was it a PD? Because we have a foodometer where we rate food and a PD is a panty dropper. It's so oh. good. Your panties fall off. Oh, yeah. And that was a PD because for sure. Because the olive oil, then it, you have a drip over the crostini. So it goes onto the plate. And then mm-hmm. the bottom of the bread also is soaking up the olive mm-hmm. oil. And you know what else they say in Italy for all the ladies out there? That if you eat bread with olive oil, mm-hmm. it's not fattening. Oh, because really? the, <laughs> <laughs> the olive oil just like shoots it right down through your system. Oh, if it's not it without it have olive oil. Yeah, it clears you out. Yeah, well, it will just, it moves it along. It loses lubricates the food oh, through God. you. All right. Last question. What's your favorite cocktail? Oh, a uh, big uh, indica joint. <laughs> I'm, not a drink- I'm not a drinker. <laughs> oh, I love it. Alana, this has been so special and so incredible. I'm so grateful that you're here with us today. We learned a lot. Thank you. I wish I was there with y'all because I just want to give you a big hug. I just feel like you're like a part of the the sisters here been so fun. I'll give her two hugs for you. Well, I come from a family of sisters, so I love hanging out with sisters. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's so fun. I just, I appreciate you, your curiosity and your love. I hope we can continue our cooking journey together and I'd love to learn more from you and maybe teach you some of our family favorites, but we're, we're into like, we're very into like Tex-Mex and really good, you know, all sorts of stuff, but well, I would love to be, I would love to be invited to a Texan Barbecue, party. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. I got cowboy boots. I can bring them on over. Oh, good. You just need to get your little tuchus down here to Dallas. Well, I love it that you're speaking with a Texas accent and a tuchus. <laughs> like, that's right. You just should be spoken <laughs> in shalom Texas. Shalom, y'all. That's what we shalom. say. Shalom, shalom, y'all. Shabbat shalom, y'all. It is shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. I speak a lot of Yiddish, so <laughs> I love it. She's Jewish by association. Exactly. 
the best is Whitney, you know, at Hanukkah has like a full on Hanukkah party with her latke bar with the caviar and the whole thing. And it's really cute. Well, I'm just going to plug my latke recipe also in meal. She feels like the best latkes ever. Ooh, okay. I'm not lying. It's oh. real good. And tell our audience where they can find your book. The easiest and best place to find Meal and Spiel is on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. If you would like a first edition copy of Meal and Spiel, that can be found at ElanaHorwich.com, E-L-A-N-A-H-O-R-W-I-C-H. They are more expensive, I'm just going to say. So if like you go to Amazon, you're going to find it for like under half the price. Well, my birthday is coming up for anyone listening. I got you, girl. I got you, girl. (laughs) And what's your Instagram handle? Ilana Horwich. Okay, awesome. Well, as we say at the end of every episode, love you, love your show, Wit. I love you. I love your show. Thank you so much for listening to Hey Sis, Eat This. If you LOL'd, peed your pants a little bit, or even smirked, please hit subscribe if you haven't already. And feel free to rate and review, but... Only if it's positive. Also, visit our website for recipes and to sign up for our newsletter at HeySisEatThis.com. And don't forget to call into the HeySis hotline at 866-4-HEY-SIS with funny mama stories or kitchen conundrums of your own.